0: Welcome into the show, the radio play-by-play voice of the Spurs, Bill Shoning, back on the station, uh, a legend and a great man. Bill, thanks for giving us some time.
1: A legend, huh? That's a good introduction. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes okay, legend
0: sometimes legend means you're old, but not you. Not you, Bill.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, how about a seasoned veteran? <laughs> That'll work. That would be a nice work. way to say it. <laughs> now, legend's good. Real, real quick story. I was doing some uh, little uh, college baseball this spring, just a few, a few uh, off days to fill, right, so uh, I did some Division II ball at a little university in Austin called St. Edwards. Anyway, um, the public address announcer announced to the crowd that the play-by-play guy on the Lone Star Conference digital network that day was going to be the legendary Bill Shoning, and uh, I thought, wow, that's, that's a pretty nice introduction right there, and just about maybe five seconds later, this lady to my left, sitting about 10 feet away outside the press box, who? I said, yeah, who? Who's that? I have no idea. I have no idea who he's talking about. So, anyway, that, that was called
0: a quick ego deflation. Don't you know who I am? No, I don't. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. Bill, don't I was wondering, Bill, I was
2: wondering what, what falls just short of a legend? I, I don't, what, a semi-legend. A semi, uh, you know, okay. It's so funny. Uh,
1: Matt Bonner, one of our former players, has a podcast now. And the way he is introducing the podcast uh, or promoting it is, Hello, this is semi-Spurs legend Matt Potter. <laughs>
0: that's pretty good. All right, so the Spurs come in tonight 31-33, and 5-5 and 5 in their last 10, having lost that 110-99 to 99 decision on Monday to the Jazz, but they are 10th in the West. Give us the snapshot of this San Antonio Spurs franchise right now, Bill. What kind of team is this?
1: Well, it's been a team that's been up and down and very inconsistent, to be honest, and there's a lot of different reasons for that. Uh, And one of them has been uh, injuries. Obviously, Derek White, one of their best players, is now out probably for the rest of the year with a badly sprained ankle, and that's a big blow. And he was kind of in and out of the lineup all year with various injuries anyway, but he was really starting to play his best basketball, and he's a very good defender. So uh, they're clearly going to miss him. And um, it's just a team that right now is kind of in a state of transition. You know, they've got some good young guys, and the thing with a young team is that it's not always consistent. And so they've been fighting to you know, find a stride and uh, some momentum uh, they've been able to go on like four or five different three-game winning streaks, but never really able to go on a nice long six- or seven-game winning streak that puts a little separation between the teams behind you and you. So, therefore, right now with just a few games left, uh, eight games left for the Spurs, six games left for the Pelicans, uh, the Spurs find themselves basically fighting with New Orleans for that tenth and final spot for a play-in series or a play-in game.
2: So, Bill, this is a question that I feel a little stupid asking a legend, whether it's semi-legend or a legend-legend. But uh, I'll ask it it anyway. Uh, The the Spurs don't really shoot that many threes. Uh, Now, Pop is a smart guy. Is that because they don't have the three-point shooters? I assume that's what it is as opposed to uh, some sort of philosophical thing against it.
1: Well, I don't think he is philosophically in favor of three-pointers, but he realizes the reality of the situation, especially when facing a team like Utah, uh, because I think the first time these two teams met, it was 21 for 41 for the Jazz from three-point range. The Spurs had five threes that night, and then, of course, the most recent game, uh, the, the, the Jazz didn't shoot the three ball particularly well, but the Spurs only had four threes all evening long. So you can't... Keep up with a team that shoots a lot of volume of threes. If you don't make a few yourself, uh, but to uh, answer your question as well, they don't have the personnel right now. Uh, they don't have that sharp shooter that's going to go out and shoot 44%. Joe Ingles, at you know whatever he's shooting right now, well over 45%, I believe, from three-point range. So um, yeah, that's something obviously that they'll have to address uh, as they you know move forward. But they do have, in my opinion, guys, some very good young pieces uh, to build around. They've got some really good young talented players. I mentioned Derek White. Uh, DeJounte Murray has really come on this year. He's much more consistent. He's a great rebounder for a point guard. Uh, He's improving his point guard skills as a decision maker. Of course, he's got DeMar DeRozan to lean on a little bit there. Uh, But um, he's a promising young player. Lonnie Walker, very athletic. So they've got some And Keldon Johnson, of course, uh, has been in the starting lineup most of the season. And and, uh, he's only in his second year. And he's only 21 years old. So uh, they've got some really good young players to build around for the
2: future. Given the circumstances, are they better than you thought they were going to be?
1: It's tough to say, you know, because last year we only got a real small window of what this team could be in the bubble. And then, of course, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge came back. LaMarcus Aldridge did not play in the bubble uh, last year. So that kind of changed it a little bit because LaMarcus is more of a half-court type player, and I think, uh, you know, with the athleticism, some of these young guys, uh, they prefer to, you know, get out and run a little bit more.
0: You mentioned DeMar DeRozan. Uh, Yeah, he he thrives in the mid-range game. He only takes like 1.43s. A game, But where he has really improved, in my opinion, is his passing game. How has he uh, acclimated to the Spurs' uh, system?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting because I guess basically he's a small forward, but he has the ball in his hands a lot. And uh, he's been one of the leaders for these young guys. I just mentioned uh, the plethora of young talent that the Spurs have on the roster. And he, of course, is 32 years old now, I believe, and, you know, he's, he's a veteran. So, you know, along with Rudy Gay, uh, he has been one of the guys really kind of show the way as a veteran player and uh, I think because of that he's become uh, a guy that creates for others and sometimes early in a ball game uh, you'll see him purposely trying to set other guys up or uh, play the role of distributor rather than the role of scorer and then he'll pick up his scoring eventually but he gets other guys involved early Uh, it's a skill that DeMar has improved upon since early his career with Toronto.
2: So, Bill, I don't want to call the Spurs fans spoiled, but when a team a franchise is as successful as the Spurs have been and then they go through a period of transition like this, how are they handling it?
1: But, you know, it's funny because I think they're a loyal Spurs fan. San Antonio is a Spurs town. It's a, it's a one-major-league town, right, one-major-league team, and that's the Spurs. So I think there's always going to be that loyalty. But you're exactly right. This is a franchise that had so much success. Uh, for a two-decade period, basically the the length of Tim Duncan's career, they were a contender every year. You, you couldn't talk about who's going to win the Western Conference without mentioning the Spurs, and rightfully so because they were there a lot of the time. So uh, the the most consistent uh, 20-year run in league history, uh, the way the way those guys won on a consistent basis, uh, but uh, they're gone now. So now it's the transition period, and I think most fans understand that you know you're not going to be uh, consistent uh, forever. Uh, But now, you know, they do, as I mentioned, they have some young pieces. You know, part of the problem is that they were finishing first or second all those years, and they never really got top draft choices. You know, they traded up to get Kawhi Leonard, which turned out to be a very good move, or traded down, as it were, because they got George Hill. uh, The the Pacers got George Hill out of that deal, but uh, you, you don't see the Spurs do many of those Um, you know, trades uh, around the um, draft. So anyway, they had to be a little creative, but they they got a great player there. And, of course, uh, he he won the finals uh, in 2014, the MVP of the NBA finals. So uh, to answer your question, I think that the future is bright, but right now they're going through a transition period. I think most fans understand that.
0: Bill Shoning, radio play-by-play guy for the Spurs. we got just a couple minutes left with him. And, Bill, how has your broadcast changed while not traveling? How different has that been for you?
1: Oh, you know, it's very difficult to teach an old dog new tricks, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, but, but I'm doing my best. I really am. Uh, having different monitors to watch. And uh, uh, the one problem that we had in one of the events, uh, one of the games on the road, I'm trying to remember which city it was. I can't recall, but uh, the whistle fr- from the official and the buzzer from the, the horn in the arena, they were about a split second early oh. uh, ahead of my video. And that'll really throw you off, guys, if you've ever done play-by-play because you don't realize how much you rely on the whistle for the stoppage of play, ball going out of bounds, foul, whatever it is. And then when that is off a second, it's like, well, wait a minute, the ball's still not out of bounds. Was there a foul on that play? I didn't see any contact. So it it gets your mind going all over the place. So I learned to just delay my call a second to figure out what was going on instead of trying to make a mistake while rushing it and, you know, guessing wrong because, oh, no, that ball did go out of bounds. There was no foul, you know. Mm -hmm. So it it makes it very difficult when you're not – in sync with the sound that you're seeing. You know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah. How about the sight lines? I'm sorry? How about what you see? Does that make it much more difficult than when you're sitting courtside or whatever?
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah, well, normally uh, we're actually upstairs, and so we're not real close to the action anyway. Mm -hmm. In Utah, we're the same way. When we go to Salt Lake City, uh, we're upstairs. We're we're at the concourse level. So um, that doesn't change too much. Now, we're watching off a monitor, obviously, and you are at the behest of the producer or director, whatever shots he's calling, that's what you're seeing. So sometimes a graphic will come up, and I'll have to go to my monitor and fill in with stats or a drop-in or something like that because I can't actually see uh, what's going on on the court at that time.
0: Well, Bill, thanks for a few moments. Uh, We appreciate it. On a game day, have a good call tonight, my friend.
1: Okay, thanks for having me, guys. I love Salt Lake City. I love your town, by the way. I love the whole state of Utah. I've been to every national park in the state of Utah. Wow,
2: Wow. Really? Wow. Where do, where, hey, this is a serious question. Where do you stay when you, go, when you visit?
1: Well, my son actually lives in Salt Lake. Oh. Uh, he works for the National Weather Service there in Salt Lake City. So uh, if I, I'm not staying with him, obviously I'm with the team when we're traveling. And, um, you know, so we you know, stay one of the nice hotels there in town. So, um, you know, obviously it's one of those places where uh, you want to spend time during the offseason. And uh, <laughs> I've had a chance to do that. So, um, you know, I, I love all the, uh, all the parks there. Um, I think Capitol Reef might be my favorite because it's kind of the more, one of the more obscure ones, but mm-hmm. uh, some great hiking trails in that park.
0: Well, Bill, thanks for the compliments, but shh, don't tell anyone. We have too many people here already. A- <laughs> I, 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 I've, got another, I've got another question now, I, for I'm you, Bill. About,
1: I'm just talking about <laughs> visitors, not people moving there. But visitors that, <laughs> That's uh, fine. Uh, yeah. Help the economy, you know, spend <laughs> some money, uh, go, to, go to the restaurants and eat. You That's welcome. I,
2: I have a selfish question for you, Bill. I know you've got stuff to attend to, but uh, when, you, when you go uh, down there near Capitol Reef, if you ever been on that uh, scenic route, what is it, twelve down there? That I have. It cut, no cuts next to it that, and it's, y'all. You know, on the one side, you have all the aspens and whatnot, the mountain, and on the other side, you look down into Capitol Reef. It's absolutely gorgeous. If you haven't been yeah, on that yeah. road, get there. Is that is that Galante on that road? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay,
1: cool. Well, that's that's pretty good Utah knowledge right there. How about that? (laughs) Do what we can. uh, No, no, I I love your state. I I could be a spokesman for your state. I live in Texas, (laughs) but I I get to Utah whenever I can.
0: Thanks, Bill. Be well.
1: All right, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye now.
0: Bill Shoning, spokesman for Travel Utah (laughs) and radio play-by-play voice of the San Antonio Spurs.